Um, again, I got a lot of things that I'm doing, a lot of things I'm praying about. Um, I want you all to know something. I, I don't get my sermons out of books. I don't. I pray a lot over what to preach, over what to share, over what I believe the Lord wants to say. And I believe that tonight is one of those nights, there's just things that are burning in my heart, and, I'm, and, and I believe that you'll pick up on that. I believe that our best days are ahead of us as a church and as a nation. I believe our worst days are ahead too, you know, as a nation. I do. Um, um, for the ones of you that are going to get to go to Israel with us, I'm going to give you a heads up. The, Huey just led another one of the men in the IDF to the Lord. And, and he's so excited about it. They are planning a, uh, a day up in the Golan where there's an amphitheater. And it is the overlooking the, the, the near future battlefield of the Battle of Gog and Magog. And they know it's coming. And they've asked us to have a, wor a Christian worship service as our church. With, with, the, with them. And um, that you guys have no idea. So we're going to get to pray over the battle that will take place there. Now, y'all guys, those, that does not happen. If you had any idea what that is and who he was just talking to, he accidentally ran into one of the generals just accidentally, and he asked him what he was doing there because the Jewish nation is very perceptive of everybody they see. You know, they stereotype. They have to. And when, they, when Huey got through telling them, he showed them pictures of our church, pictures of what he's doing. That general said, that is awesome. And he's not Christian. And uh, he was very impressed with what we're doing. And uh, Mary Fran told Justin this. Um, you, you be in prayer because we are making a difference on the very, very front line of defense. So um, it's, it's amazing what God's doing. Amen? So having said all of that, the ones of you who are going to Israel, if you're not going with us, well, you can stay home and cry. <laughs> and pray for us. Yeah, you, I want you to pray for us. We're going to have a ball. Amen. Well, get your Bibles out. Go to Matthew 13, and I'm going to make some powerful statements, and I want you to pay attention. The world is changing. It's not the same, guys. It's not the same world. And I realize what this, and I say this because younger people are in here. It is very, very difficult for you to understand the world that we grew up in. I mean, it's almost impossible to, to, for you younger people to even get what it was like for me to grow up in my teenage years. And the only thing that we ever got expelled, expend, you know, from school for was chewing gum, not wearing socks, and uh, an occasional fist fight. Well, I got, I got a, we called them lickings. When the coach took you in the room, they, they, they did paddle you in school when I was there. We said a pledge of allegiance to the flag. We prayed over the day, over the intercom in the morning. And all of that ended in this nation and all hell broke loose. Things are changing in America rapidly. And I, and I want you all to understand that sermons are going to change. Church is going to change. The gospel is not going to change. The word of God is not going to change. But the world around us is changing and they're trying to change. 
Um, not for the better. When we're here, God knows we're here. And he left us here with everything that we need to live in this time. Amen? All right. Go to Matthew 13, and I'm going to read a scripture to you. It's actually a parable. And, um, well, anyway, you'll see. Another parable he spoke to them. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven, which a woman took and hid it in three measures of meal till all of it was leavened. Well, you're thinking, okay, she's making bread. Of course, we don't do that now. At least y'all don't do that now. I do that now. So I'm going to help you with how you actually make bread. And I'm going to tell you why you make it. Bread only lives 48 hours. After that, it is dead. The bread is dead. That's why the Bible says, give us today our daily bread. You, if you wanted the nutrition from a loaf of bread, you had to eat it the day you made it or the next day. After that, you can throw it away. And today, what we eat in the store, a lot of stuff we eat in the store, the reason it's not healthy and makes you fat, bread doesn't make you fat. Dead bread makes you fat because it's not helping you. I'm going to tell you something else that may make you mad. Milk won't make you fat either. If you'll get it right out of the cow, it won't make you fat because it will give you, it'll give you so much energy. See, good fat's good for your body. It's good for your brain. Y'all learn that almonds without being roasted are very good for your body. Um, but when you kill everything in it and then you drink it, you're just, you're just drinking, you're drinking. They say, well, I'm allergic to milk. Well, no, you're not. You're allergic to processed milk, dead milk. And no, no human body wants to drink that mess. Anyway, enough of that. So when you're making bread, you take, you, I, I take a grinder and I, and there's two stones in it. They're, 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 I don't know if they're granite, what they are, but they're, they're rocks. And there's grooves cut in them, and I, and I dropped the seed, in, and, and, and I, I did something real stupid. I got a hand one. <laughs> I thought it would be cool. It's not. It takes me about a good 30, 45 minutes to grind about two cups of wheat. I get red wheat and white wheat, and I grind it all up. It makes me two loaves of bread. Then I take it, and I mix it with honey and olive oil and hot water. And then you put the wheat in and all the other stuff in there, and you begin to work it, and you knead it. Now, you knead, that, you knead it all through the dough, and then you take it and make a big, round, giant ball, and you set it someplace, throw a cloth over, and let it, let it sit on the counter. And when you start, it's about like a softball. When you come back, it's like a soccer ball. And you punch it down, you do it all over again. The more you do it, the better the taste is. So anyway, you do that, and then you, you make a big rolls, and you stick them in the oven. And, and when they come out, you get the butter, and you cut them, and you eat them, and hope your wife is not home to tell you, not, don't eat that whole thing all by yourself. <laughs> but I said all of that because now Jesus is going to tell a parable, and he said the kingdom of God is like a woman making a loaf of bread. And to us, it's like, that doesn't make a lick of sense to me. What he meant by this is this. Let's go over this. The parable is like the kingdom of heaven is like leaven. What is leaven? Leaven is what makes the bread rise. So Jesus is making a parable about the church. A Christian, now listen to what I'm about to say, is a person who's supposed to go into his world. Whatever that is. Doesn't matter what it is. We, we talk a lot about going to all the world and preach the gospel. He's not talking about Russia and China. He's talking yours. You have a world. 
that you live in, and he wants you to affect it for Jesus. And you should. If you are a school teacher, and, I'll, and I'm going to qualify this statement in just a minute, your classroom should be Christian. You say, well, I can't preach the gospel there. Well, then help Lisa and I start one here. We're going to all stand before God one day and give an account of our life. And he's going to ask you what you did with your life. All right, now I'm going to, I'm going to, now, now let, me, let me back up a minute. If you're a police officer, you should be a Christian police. If you're a businessman, you should be a Christian businessman. In other words, you have a realm of influence and you should be influencing it for good. Now, there's one group of people that are disqualified from this, and those are people who just got saved. God's not laying that on a baby Christian. And when I say a baby, I'm talking about a baby because you really are a baby. Not because you've been saved 30 years and you're still a baby. I'm talking about you've been saved one year and you're a baby. Thank you for y'all's enthusiasm. Now, now, I'm, I'm say, I'm a, you'll see in a minute while we're going down this path. I want to read something to you. I wish, and I'm probably going to get a card and have this made so you can take it home and stick it in your Bible. Uh, Miles Monroe made this statement at a, um, at, um, what's, the, what's the guy that, the money guy? Bob, Harris. Bob at Bob, Bob Harrison's meeting, and I, and I think it was in Hawaii. You were never born to be a success. Now, in today's society, we hear success preached all the time. But there is nothing scriptural about that. You were never born to be a success. You were born to make a difference. Now, naturally, you should be successful at it. That is the grassroots and starting point of your vision. So let me read the rest of this and I'll explain it to you. Just to be a success, just to be a success is not vision, it is selfish ambition. Now today, in our society today, the average Christian comes into the church with the notion of teach me the Bible so I can walk with God and, and, the, and the truth ends with them. That's as far as truth goes. It's for me. Sometimes it affects mama, daddy, the kids. Most Christians don't take it further than that. That's not scriptural. You and I were placed on the earth to make a difference everywhere we go. Now let's think, let, let me go to a scripture here, and I want you to hear what I'm, I want you to hear this. Matthew 5, let's turn the page to Matthew 5. I'm going someplace very, very important. I'm not just preaching. Very, very, very big. Matthew 5, 13. You are the salt of the earth. If salt loses its flavor, how will it be seasoned? It is good for nothing to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world, a city set on a hill that cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp, put it under a basket, a lampstand gives light to all that are in the house. So let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Now, he called you a light. 
When's the last time you saw light fighting with darkness? It doesn't. If you're a Christian and if you're walking with God, you will affect your environment. You will do it naturally. You're not going to be struggling to do this. Everywhere you go and every day of your life. Now, now, now let's, let's get away from this old idea of coming to church, learning about witnessing, and having a team of people go knock on people's doors like Jehovah Witnesses. I hate knocking on people's doors. And I don't know that Jesus ever told us to go knock on somebody's door. Because the people you're knocking on their door, they don't know you. You have no clout, you have no influence, and they really don't care what you think. And if you haven't noticed that, go knock on some doors. And get them slammed in your face and call it witnessing. It's, now, now, if God told you to do it, then he better give you an anointing to do it. And if he gives you anointing, then, no, then don't listen to me, go do it. But I'm not going with you. Now, I'm going to make a statement here, and I want you to, I want you to listen, and, and don't place on me because you're called. Don't, don't do that. Everywhere I have ever worked since the day I got born again, I have left there with a Christian influence in the workplace. Amen. I left people saved. Now, I didn't say Everybody. But everywhere I've ever been, they knew I was a Christian. And when I left, people's lives were different. Now, I'm going to pause because I don't want you to think about what I'm going to say next. I want you to think about that. So let me ask you this. Is it happening with you? It should be. If not, start praying because, and I'm going to make a real strong statement right here, and I want you to start thinking very, very seriously about this. Start thinking about the fact that the people you know that are not saved are going to hell. They're going to hell. They're going to hell. That is not little. That's not Oh, well, they're going to hell. Eh. No, it's not. It's not funny. It's not even funny. I don't mean you're walking around sad all day. But I mean you need to wake up with the attitude that when I'm going into work today, I'm working with sinners. You said to me, you are the light of the world. I'm a light. I'm not putting on. Don't put on. Be. Be a Christian and be a light where you are. Now listen, stop being ashamed of the gospel. I worked construction with men who said they were men. And I told these men, I said, if you were men, you would not be gutless and you'd give your heart to Jesus because you're afraid of what someone will say to you because you're not a real man. And you're getting your manhood from a bottle. I don't have to drink manhood. Now, folks, th that's not normal. Lisa and I were watching 
a John Wayne movie the other day. Every once in a while, we try to watch something on TV, and it seems like the old John Wayne movies or Andy Griffith or something about the only clean stuff on TV. And, and he was very strong with a family member. And I said to Lisa, I said, that's frowned on today. I mean, he just flat told his kids straighten up and fly right, you know. And, um, and of course, he's a sheriff and whatever. And I told Lisa, I said, that's just not happening. That's just not, it's not like that. It's, if you're a man and you're vocal, oh, oh, no, you shouldn't be that way. Well, Jesus was. And this is why, listen to me, this is why America's going to hell. Because we're, we're not being a light. Now, now, you can ask Tanya, and I want her to do this. I want you to go down to City Hall and ask every one of them if I'm a Christian. Police force, fire department, I don't care. Ask anybody in the city you want that knows me. They'll go, oh, yeah, he is. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not trying to be a Christian. I am. When, when I get around them, I mean, they ask me a question. We're talking about the Lord. We may talk about the Lord. We may not talk about, we may, we may talk about politics. We may talk about a lot of stuff. Amen? Now, um, go to Romans 12, please. Are y'all getting anything yet? Okay. We're, the world right now must have you. Now, understand something. Out of all the things that need to change in America, and there's a lot of stuff that needs to change, and, and, and listen to me and listen to my heart on what I say. There is a lot of issues that we need to address a lot of issues. But the primary problem with this nation is its heart. It's, it's, it's not racism. It's not money and it's not politics. Now, I'm not saying all those things don't need to be fixed. There's a lot of stuff that needs to be fixed. But if you fixed the money problem and they went to hell, whoopee-doo. Now you understand, I'm not, I'm not saying that there's not stuff that needs fixing. It, it needs fixing. But if you're trying to fix it and you get it fixed and they go to hell, what in the world did you do? You didn't do anything. Right? Am I right? Okay, so let's come back to, let's make primary primary instead of all the other stuff the world says is primary is not primary. I didn't say it wasn't important. It's important. Okay. Some of the stuff that's going on in this nation and, and illegal or illegal immigration or, or schools. And, all, and, and, and the, We don't have a gun problem in America. We don't have a shooting problem. We, we have a heart problem in this nation. Because until you get a man's heart right, he's going to keep killing people. I don't care what you do. I mean, if they, you take his guns away, they're going to pick up a baseball bat and beat you to death with it. Because the heart has not been changed. All right, I'm going to read something to you. He's, he's talking to you in Romans 12. This is, this is Paul. He's talking to you. Verse 9, let love be without two-faced. Abhor what's evil. Cling to what's good. Be kindly affectionate to one another. With brotherly love, in honor, give preference to one another. Do not, I, I, use, I put the word do. It's not in the original Greek. It's not in anything. Not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Now, how do, how do you serve God fervently? 
This is a good question. What does he love? He loves people. Now let's, now let's go down this road. He loves people. If you say, I love God, and people around you are not getting saved, you do not love God. Amen. I just love the Lord. That's good for you. But now let's go past you for a minute. Are you, a, are you making a difference? Are you affecting anyone other than your children? Uh, mother's love is selfish love. You, well, God don't say that on Mother's Day. Man, they will kill me and stone, tar me and feather me and take me out and nail me to the cross beside Jesus. But listen, what do you think? My kids, my boy, my daughter, my children. I mean, a woman will fight you and kill you over her kids, and the rest of the kids can go to hell but my kids. Well, you have never done anything except your kids. Don't shout me down because I'm preaching real good. Now, should your kids be saying, oh, you better believe it. I want your kids in church on fire for God and loving Jesus. But Lord, have mercy. Don't stop with your kids. A lot of other people on this planet other than your children. All right. All right. Now, I, know, I knew that wasn't going to go very well, but that's all right. Thank you for helping me out a little bit with that. Rejoice in hope, patient in tribulation, continue steadfastly in prayer. In other words, after you've been saved a while, and I'm fixing to just make you mad, I should not have to prop you up. I'm having a bad day. How long have you been saved? Well, 10 years. Well, shut up and get over it. And, I'm, and, I'm, and now I'm going to tell you why you're having a bad day. Because it's all about you. Yeah. I'm having a bad day. Listen, if you were light, if you were light, you could walk up and go, I don't care what you do, Satan, shut your mouth. The, the minute you stop thinking of you, you're going to stop having bad days. Because what's breeding all of that is, is selfishness. And you've been saved 30 years. And, <laughs> and Pastor, I, I need a scripture. No, you need a spanking. Bad spanking. Man, you mind, by now, you, you ought to be helping people instead of someone's always having to lift you up. Now, I'm going to say something else right here, and we're on tape, and I'm, I'm just. The Bible calls you a tree of righteousness. I've got trees in my yard. I have never noticed one of them next door. <laughs> have, you, have you ever walked out and seen your orange tree and went, what, how did my orange tree get over there? All right. There are no perfect churches. There's no perfect pastors. Do you know why people leave churches? Me. 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 They had a program for me. We have a whole bunch of people in this church that are babies. Get up off your backside. Well, I want a platform. Well, then take this one home with you and sit in the living room and do something. 
Don't, don't, don't shout me down because I'm preaching real good. But sell, listen, listen, this, is, this, self, this attitude is, is a cancer in this nation. And the church is the problem. We don't need to, don't worry about what the Democrats are doing. Don't worry about what the Republicans are doing. Don't worry about all that. Don't worry about any of that. All you need to be concerned about, what are you doing? Thank you for y'all's enthusiasm. <laughs> Heavenly Father, help me get out of here. Verse 14, bless those who persecute you. Bless and don't curse them. We're running around mad at everybody all the time. You knew they were sinners. Okay. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Don't, don't set your mind on high things. Associate with the humble. Don't be wise in your own opinion. Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it's possible, it's not always possible, but if it's possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. It's not peaceable with everybody, but you should with everybody or try to. Beloved, do not avenge yourself. Rather, give place to wrath. It's written, vengeance is mine. I'll repay them. If your enemy's hungry... Come on, guys. Come on. Feed them. Come on. Come on, folks. Okay. I've got to tell a story right now because I've got to stop. I'm still a Christian. I'm not doing this because I'm a pastor. So the other day, I'm, I'm, I have a friend. His name is Kevin Sinet. And he may be even listening online right now. I don't know. Um. But Kevin and I shoot um, pistols together. Kevin is one of the engineers that worked with, with Lockheed Martin and designed the, 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 the guidance system for the Patriot missiles. I mean, he's, he's like real smart. And he reloaded bullets. And that's how I got to know him. And he has a place up in D-Land where they make lead ammo. Well, him and I got to be buddies, and I buy from him. Well, he's not saved. Wasn't, wasn't saved. What do you think I did about that? I ain't hanging around with you. No. No, what is he? He's, he's, a, he's, a, he's a man made in the image of God. So he kept telling me that his wife, Faith, um, is not feeling good. So finally one day I said, what's wrong with your wife? He says, well, she's got cancer. I said, hmm. You know, and um, I asked him about her, her salvation, and he, he didn't have a good answer. What does that mean? He don't know. He's, she's not. So I, so I tried to get him. I tried to get, well, first she said she was going to come here Easter. She didn't make it. So I started praying and I said, and so I went after it in prayer. Heavenly Father, open up a door for me in the name of Jesus to talk to this lady. She will not die. She will not die without Jesus on my watch. Now, Having said all of that, I'm up in um, St. Augustine up there preaching, and I said, Lord, when I'm coming back down the interstate, I want to stop at Kevin's and go in there. And, and, I, and long story, I did. And I went in there, knocked on the door, and the both of them came out very gracious and cordial and set the dinner table. And I walked in to open up my Bible, and I, um, I said, Faith, I'm here to talk to you about the Lord Jesus Christ. I know you, you have issues with your body and stuff, and I said, we'll talk about that in a minute. But right now, I want to make sure that you're ready to meet Jesus. And her and I had a long talk, and I opened up John 3, 16. See, listen, listen to me, and I say this with grace. If you've been saved more than five years and you don't know how to lead someone to the Lord, please learn. Yes. Please, please, you've learned everything else. You would know it if you want to know it. Right. So learn it. Right. Right. Just learn how to do it. You don't have to, you don't, have, don't call me. 
when your relatives are in the hospital dying and you've been in this church 10 years. Now, if you can't do it, don't let them go to hell because you're too proud. Call them and let me chew you out on the way out of the hospital. Let me get them saved. Now, if you're a baby Christian, I'm coming up because I'm not going to let them go to hell on my watch just because you don't know. All right. So I sat down there and I'm talking to her about Jesus and I turned to look at Kevin. He's, he's got, he's just crying like a baby. And I said, what's with you? And he went, I have never in my whole life ever heard anybody say what you're saying. And I said, do you believe it? He said, absolutely. I said, you ready to pray? And he goes, yes. So I led both of them to the Lord. Well, he called me what a week and a half ago, faith died. And he wanted me to do the funeral. And I met him at the Eagles Club. Wednesday night. Do y'all know what the Eagles Club is? It's a bar. All right. Now, you got to get this picture. I'm walking in. I have on, I'm dressed like this, but I have on a sports coat. I'm the only one dressed like this in the whole place. I should have worn jeans. They came in with shorts and flip-flops. Everybody in the funeral had a martini or a beer. Every one of them were drinking. There was more communion going on in that room that night than I've ever seen in this church in my life. They were, they were worshiping the Lord. And, and I did what I do now. I just walked up and I said, I've known Kevin for a while. And um, I told him who I was. And I said, I'm not going to make any bones about the fact that I'm a pastor and I am a Christian. And I know where I am. And I'm comfortable here where I am. But I'm going to tell you how to make heaven and miss hell. And there was 30 of them in the room, and I sat there and preached Jesus to them. Prayed with every one of them corporately. I didn't give an altar call. And they came up to me afterwards and said, I want a card. I want to, you know, download and watch your church on service. But that, I actually enjoyed that almost as much as I do with you. And they were hungry. They weren't belligerent. They weren't ugly. They, they didn't, they just went, we never knew. My God. One lady walked up. She said, you, I didn't fall asleep while you were talking. <laughs> but it was, it was, it was special to me. I don't get that opportunity often. I'm, most of the time I'm in front of Christians talking to you about your walk with God. It's rare I get to go someplace where I know that they, if there's, a, there's one man in the room who's born again Christian. And he came not because he went to that bar, but because he was a friend of Kevin's and grew up with him. And he came down for the funeral and he was a born again Christian. And he looked at me and said, how in the world did you ever lead that man Jesus? Because Kevin is, a, is an intellectual. You know, he reasons everything. Well, I, pa- I go past your brain. I go, f- I go for your heart. And, and, and that's an art. You just need to learn how to go and, and sh- talk to their heart. Amen? So, so having said all of that, go to Proverbs 11.25. Put it on screen. We'll go to 2 Corinthians 5. The, is that right? Is that right? 11.25. Proverbs 11.25. That may be my fault. It may be my writing in tongues. I'll just wait. The generous soul will be made rich. He who waters 
will also be watered himself. So let me stop right here because I want you to get this. You will dry up in your Christianity sitting in church. I don't care if you're listening to me, Jesse, Andrew Womack, Kenneth Copeland, and, and whoever else you like. You will dry up. You you cannot live your life absorbing the word into you, and that's as far as it goes. You can't do that. You weren't destined to do this. Now, I want you to think about this for a minute. How high of a price did Jesus pay for you? Massive. When you think about the fact that you cost him the blood in his body, he redeemed you. It said, this is what the Greek says. The word redemption means to buy a slave from the auction block in order to set him free. That's what the word redemption means. There were people during biblical times that would save up their money and buy a slave only to turn him loose. And that's what Jesus did. Now, you can do what you want to after that. And some people... Never come back and give him glory. But that's what the word redemption. So he bought you with his blood. That's an, that, you were expensive. So what are you doing with it? What do you have to show for it? Just you? That's not good, guys. That's not right. That's not right. We should be affecting the world we live in. Um, I, you know, many of you know, I've, I've told you the story of Omar Walker, um, the guy that was the um, 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 Black Panther. I don't think he was a Black Panther. I think he, he was running around with them. And uh, he, he just hated white people. He just hated everybody who was white. And, you know, I, I don't pretend to understand that, but, you know, I, I didn't grow up in a side of town where you're persecuted and all the stuff that people went through at that time. So we have no idea what that's like, unless you happen to be African-American and you grew up. So, you know, but when he met me, uh, I was a little different than everybody else he ever met. And after a while, he looked at me and said, what do you have? And of course, you know, make a long story short, Omar came over to our house, got right with God, got filled with the Holy Ghost, and him and his wife, Brenda, ended up pastoring a church. He got so on fire for God. He went to the Bahamas with me and we preached the gospel together. Don't you think about that for a minute. Where I worked, a construction job. Men are getting born again because I'm there. That, that's, that says something about you as a person. When someone walks up to you and says, I don't know what you got, honky, but I want it. <laughs> And that's a big deal. And I mean, it was a big deal because we became friends. And I'm going to say this, everywhere I've ever worked, everywhere I've ever physically worked in my life, when I've left there, there have been people born again, going to church and living for God. Now, there's not everybody gets saved. No, 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 no. And I'm not laying that on you. But so my, answer, my question is, What's happening around you? Are you making a difference wherever you are? Okay. 
Let me, let me, let me tell you another one. Um, loving your neighbor means rescuing them from hell's fires. It doesn't mean being sweet to them. I, I know a person, um, I'm not going to point the finger. While, while I'm talking, go to 2 Corinthians 5. And they said, I've been listening to this guy who's talking about loving your neighbor to Jesus. And I said, okay. And I've been talking to my neighbor for five years. I said, well, I think that this is going on long enough. Thank you for y'all's enthusiasm. So they're going to die and go to hell while you're loving them. In other words, Jesus made a statement that says, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. If you're not giving someone truth, you do not love them. Amen. Amen. Is that okay? Yeah. Now, I don't mean cramming Jesus down their throat. I'm not talking about that. There's a point that you're hanging around a person a month or two months, six months. It isn't long. They find out you're a born-again Christian. They come to you and say, man, I'm having a bad day. Everything's just not going good, and my daughter's not doing good. And I go, well, hey, want to pray about it? Just, stay, just get out of your comfort zone a little bit. Well, hey, would you like, come on, miss, let's, let's pray about this. And most of the time they'll go, okay, thank you. And you pray and then the next time say, hey, why don't you pray? Why don't you pray with me? Well, I don't know how. Oh, come on, it's easy. Now, you know Jesus, don't you? you, ever, you don't you remember the day you prayed and asked Jesus to be the Lord of your life? Well, no. Oh, well, my God, let's do it now. Good, that's good. Bible says compel them to come in. It means make them. I mean, it's, this, you're working with people. They know you. We're not talking about knocking on their door. We're talking about people you live with. They're going to hell. Five years is too long for you to work with people that are going to hell. I know it got quiet in here because now you're thinking, Jane and Sally and Bob and Sue and Jim and, oh, pastor, I got to get out of here tonight. Yeah, you do. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, are you there? Let's start with verse 9, let's go. Therefore we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to him. That's God. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. You're not going to hell. That you may receive the things done in your body according to what he has done, good or bad. He's going to ask you what you did with your life. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, not toward you, Toward the world, we persuade men. Also, we're well known to God, and also I trust you're well known in your conscience. For we do not commend ourselves again to you, but give you opportunity to boast on our behalf that you may have an answer for those who boast in appearance but not in heart. For if we're, if we're beside ourselves, it's to God. But if, but if we are sound of mind, it's for you. For the love of Christ compels us because we judge this. If one died for all, then all died. If he died for everyone, those who live should no longer live for their self, but for him who died for them and rose again. Let's stop. The God of America is mammon. The God of the church is mammon. I didn't say it was wrong to prosper. I said it's wrong for you to live for the dollar. You have a house, you know what it's for? Get a good night's rest. Tomorrow, you're a witness for Jesus. Amen. There's a scripture in Proverbs that says, a wicked man eats, lives to eat, 
but a righteous man eats to live. We both eat, but the motive is different. Wherever God puts you is a mission field I will not touch. Until you get, what's the word I want here? I'm, I'm, um, I'm, I'm looking for my word again. Not to you get, un, until you are living to make a difference, you will only live for you. That's all you're going to live for is yourself. But, and, and you'll fall away from God. Yes. You will fall back away. Because you can only absorb so much Bible for you. If you, want to, if you do not want to be stagnant, you're, you must give it away. You can't stay on fire for God if you're not giving the love away. When you get love, you got to give it away. You get money, you got to give it away. You get time, you got to give it away. Very often when I'm having a bad day, God would send me somebody for me to minister to in order to lift me because what God does through you is for you. But if you're just sitting there in a pity party, that's all that you're ever going to have is a pity party. Are y'all getting this? So, so, and I'm not telling you, you have to go into Russia and go preach the gospel and go down to Cuba and get, and get a 501c and three and get a ministry. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying you keep doing what you're doing. Don't worry about, don't worry about the whole world going to hell. You just worry, you just be concerned about yourself and the people that are right around you. And once you stop thinking of just you, you're going to find out your life's going to blossom. Your Christianity, you're going to get your joy back. Amen. Amen. I don't have time to sin. <laughs> Think about that for a minute. That's pretty good. Pretty good preaching. I haven't had time to sin for almost 40 years now. Lisa's kept me pretty busy and Jesus. Amen. Now let's go down here to this five. Verse 15, verse 16. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. What a statement. Why? Because if you're a sinner, it don't matter. If you're a Christian, it don't matter. Right? Okay. We're going to read this in a minute. One of the ways you know you're getting mature is the way you treat lesser people. I, I, I can't tell you I've always been there. But I'm going to tell you the other day in the bar was fun. And I had no spirit of superiority. It humbled me that I had the opportunity to share Jesus with these people. And I told them, I says, I and remembered the days. And I told him about him. I said, I used to run around the outlaw gang. I got kicked out of the cell. I used to frequent the bars myself, Willie's. Wasn't Eagles Club, it was Willie's. And I said, and guys, I met Jesus. You know, but it humbled me to go in there and share Jesus with them and to, and to wash their feet. Yeah. Yeah. Don't ever get a superiority attitude. That somehow or another, you're better than someone else. You and I are what we are by the grace of God. Amen. All right. Now listen to this. 
From now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. That, that includes Muslims. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. Therefore, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things are passed away and everything became new. All of these things are God who reconciled us to himself through Jesus and has given us, all of us, not just the pastor of the church and the evangelist, the ministry of reconciliation. That is, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them. Don't you do it either. It does no good to walk up to a guy in jail and go, I've come to tell you that you're in jail. He knows he's in jail. There's no sense in talking to him about his sin. He knows he's in sin. Doesn't need to be told he's in sin. Doesn't need to be told all the stuff he's doing that's wrong. What he needs to be told is the gospel about Jesus. When I went over to Kevin's house the other day, I didn't bring up, I didn't, I didn't ask him about their past. I didn't ask him about anything. Jesus has already paid for it all. And what they needed was Jesus Christ. And right now I stood up in that funeral and I says, I'm going to tell you that you knew faith. She came to this bar, but as contrary as you may think what I'm saying, she is in heaven with Jesus right this minute. And it is not because she was a good lady. It is because she accepted Jesus as the Lord of her life. And I taught them how to do that. Martinis and all. I have a friend. I led him to the Lord. And I couldn't get him to talk about Jesus unless he was drunk. And so I let him drink. You, you, you have no, no, no idea what it's like. When you're, when, when, you're, when you're talking to somebody and they say, or Roberts is, 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 is stealing money. And I said, yes, if he is, it's wrong. You, you're darn right, darn right it's wrong. I said, so you said stealing's wrong? Yep. I said, have you ever stole? Yeah. I said, well, you're going to hell with oil. <laughs> Why? Well, I've never thought about that. <laughs> you guys are missing so much fun. I was, um, I got in a pickup truck with two total heathen one day to go to Melbourne to lay, to lay block. And um, these two belly, the belly boys, they were so fat and they looked like they were pregnant. They drank so much. And they looked at me and they said, hey, Reverend, you have got to ride all the way to Melbourne with two heathen. Ha, ha, ha. I said, well, you haven't thought about the fact, belly boy, that you're going to ride all the way to Melbourne locked in the truck with a tongue-talking, devil-chasing, holy-rolling preacher. And what I'm looking at the other one and said, oh, hell. <laughs> and we talked about Jesus for two hours. 
I thought they were going to make me walk home. On the way home, I said, you want a beer? And I said, make it a dad's and get me one. We're going to talk about Jesus on the way home. And I did. You lock me in a truck with you, you're going to hear about Jesus. <laughs> Y'all are missing a lot of fun. You just don't know it. No, they didn't. Not, not, not then. I don't know whether they ever got saved or not. I don't think, I don't think everybody gets saved right away. Um. Can I, t- I want to tell you a story. This is who he told me the story the other day. The guy that he led to the Lord over in Israel came to North Carolina on vacation. And he went into a church just to see what went on. And when he came out of that church, he said, I came out and I knew Yeshua is my Messiah. And he didn't get saved in that church. And they have no idea they led someone to the Lord that night that is a high-ranking official in the idea. And they had no, they wouldn't, they just had a church service and had no idea what God did right there in their midst that night. I don't think everybody gets saved right at the moment. Amen? All right, let's go on because I got a couple more to do. Matthew 25. And I got something I want to read to you. Are y'all all right? Yeah. America is changing, guys. We're going to have to kick it up a notch. In, in, I'm talking as a Christian. Matthew 25. Look, look at verse 14. The kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country and called his servants and delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents. Now remember, a talent is not like you play a guitar. A talent is one year's wages. So whatever year's wages, he's making a financial investment here. So we'll say for the sake of the average American, he gave him $50,000. No, a quarter of a million dollars. To another two, which would be $100,000, and to another one, which would be fifty, and, and according to their own ability, and he went on a journey, and when he had received five talents, went and traded with them and made another five talents. And likewise, he received two, gained two more. And he received one, went and dug in the ground, hid the Lord's money. And after a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. So he who received five talents brought five other talents, said, Lord, you delivered me five talents. Look, I've gained five more beside them. And the Lord said, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I'm going to make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Now, what's he talking? He's talking investments, but he's talking kingdom, isn't he? So let's ask ourselves a question. What has he done for you, Paul? Did he make an investment? The new birth, the baptism of the Holy Ghost, a church, a job. When he makes an investment in you, he's looking for fruit. You and I are going to stand before him, and we we need to be able to stand and go, well, what did you do, Rosa? What did you do with your life? Well, number one, my family got saved. Number two, the the ladies I worked with got saved. And not only that, I was faithful in my church and went down to Honduras and took teams and worked in a village. And go, you're Rosa? God, thank you. Oh, that's awesome. So he's, he's, now listen, I'm not talking about earning your salvation. This is the Bama Seat of Christ. He's not talking about you going to heaven or hell. There is one guy that did nothing with it. He didn't even get himself saved. 
Are y'all out there? Did you go home? I think, I think we need to talk. Next Sunday morning, I'm starting a brand new series called How to Live in the Last Days. We're going to go in to, to Israel. We're going to go into the war, Ezekiel War that's coming. It's, folks, it's coming. You and I will see it in the next one to five years. We will see the, the war in Israel, the full-blown dude. Now, are y'all ready? Are you ready to die and meet Jesus tonight? I'm not talking about are you saved. Are you ready to die and say, I've done what you've called me to do? If not, that's why I'm preaching. Are you ready to stand before him? And we don't hear sermons like this. All we've ever heard is come to Jesus, be saved, and pretty much that's it. There's a lot more in here than that. Okay. All right. I have something I want to read to you. Um, this is a magazine, and um, I knew Lynn would, 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 would appreciate this, Lynn and Tony, because it's, I, th- I think, is, is um, Franklin Graham, are they Baptist? Are they Presbyterian? What are, do you even know what they are? Do they know what they are? Billy Graham's son. Billy Graham. What's Billy Graham? Baptist. Is he Baptist now? I think he used to be Presbyterian, right? Then he got saved. Never mind, I'm joking. I'm just teasing, guys. All right, I said all that because I'm going to read out of Billy Graham's son's magazine. Now, I'm going to tell you something. I, 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 I pick on a lot of people, but, you, but we're going to have to quit picking on the Baptist. Because there's a whole bunch of Baptist pastors that are flat getting on fire for God. And making a difference in this world we're living in. So I'm going to read something to you, and I want you to take it with, a, you know, just take it for what it's worth. Um, there's an article about um, here called A Different Gospel is No Gospel, and it has to do with the mayor, now help me with his name, Pete Butter, B-U-T-T-I-G-E-I-G, say that. Buttergay? Buttergay. Buttergay. All right, I got it now. I can get... Pete Buttigieg entered the fray. He launched a personal attack on Vice President Mike Pence for his views on gay marriage. Now, let me stop right here and talk about gay for a minute. You and I are going to see a lot of people come out of that lifestyle and come in this church. And they need Jesus. They don't need condemnation. They need Jesus. Now, that doesn't mean we compromise. Lisa and I have led several homosexual people to Jesus. We never told you. Because we don't want you walking around going, eh, we don't want you. Just better. One of them was a Satanist priest and a homosexual. And Satan would levitate him in his bedroom at night. I mean, in the air. And he came in and said, I have demon problems and lust problems and sex problems. And, and we didn't tell you all anything. We took him in the, bed, in the room and prayed for him and cast the devil out of him. And, and to the best of my knowledge, he still sends his tithes here and he's still free. Okay, so when we talk about the gay lifestyle, you know, or men and pornography or any of these things like that, we're not preaching condemnation, but we're just telling you, get out of it and get free. You keep playing with it, you're going back. Don't play with the devil. You cannot get a wild pig and tell him to stay in the kitchen. 
All pigs go. All pigs. How much, how much should you do with deal with the devil? Not a drop. Leave him complete. See, I don't, there's, I don't even, we don't even have Cosmopolitan magazine in my house. If there's cleavage, it ain't in my house. Number one, because of the, the, what I came out of, I don't need cleavage. I got, I, I got a wife. I got one wife. That's it. One is enough. I'm not a Mormon. I think Samson's problem was he had more than one. And I'll say his name again. Budigay, who is gay and married to a man, said his homosexual lifestyle is perfectly compatible with his Christian faith. He said that marrying a gay man made him a better man and moved him closer to God. Budigay went on to challenge vice president with these words. If you've got a problem with who I am, your problem is not with me. Your quarrel is with my creator. Apparently God made him that way. Well, if you're born that way, get born again. Pence, who is a committed evangelical believer and has openly advocated for pro-life causes and religious liberty, responded, I think Pete's quarrel is with the First Amendment. All of us in this country have the right to our religious beliefs, and I'm a Bible-believing Christian. In other words, if I want to believe the Bible, I'm allowed to believe the Bible. What Mayor Boudigay and many others are seeking to do is redefine Christianity in their own terms. Now, listen to what I'm going to say, and we're going to comment on this. Progressive Christianity... It's a brand new Christianity that's coming on the scene. As it has been called, the core values of this movement have little or nothing to do with sin, the power of the cross, heaven or hell, the deity of Christ, or the authority of God's word. They deny all of those. Is that Christianity? Now, listen to me. We're We're in a society today that's calling themselves Christian but they deny the authority of the word of God. If there ever was a time you are going to have to open your mouth and talk, it's now. Rather than focus on the universal love of God, now listen to this. This is what they say. If God is love, how could he send a man to hell? He doesn't. But you understand that we got a generation coming up that has never heard the, the way I preach from a pulpit. Did you know that? And I'm going to tell y'all why. We've taught pastors to be successful. You want to be successful today, you stop preaching on sin. You stop making people feel bad in the pulpit. If they want to come in your church and live an alternate lifestyle, we'll give them a year or two or three or four to convert. That's not love, guys. But it's branded as love. And the largest churches in America, except John Hagee, are like that. They're watering the Bible down. Don't shout me down because I'm preaching real good. And this is going to get tougher and tougher as we go. Because if you want to live for the Lord, you need to understand what that means. To be a born-again, Bible-believing, I-believe-the-Bible Christian. You're going to have to learn how to be strong in the Lord. All right. The universal love, social justice. Don't go there with me. They brought somebody to Jesus and says, make make this guy pay me what he owes me. He said, what's that to me? Listen, 
If you have a problem socially, Jesus is not here to fix your social problem. You get your heart right with God and we'll take care of your social issues. The government does not owe you a living. And neither do the rich people, whoever they are. As a matter of fact, if you want to get down on this, let's go to some of these guys and check their, their checkbooks. It don't look like yours, I'll guarantee you that, but they want your tax money. And we're talking about people who make a million dollars to do a speech. And they're talking about socialism. Don't shout me down, guys. This is enough to, this ought to make you, this ought to make you angry. Socialism is a, is, a, is a road to communism. Communism means the government is smart and you're stupid and they want to tell you what to do. If you, if you don't know what that's like, if you really think that's awesome, please go live in Cuba right now. Get out of here and go live in Cuba. Go to Venezuela. Go to Venezuela. You think it's all right? Go to Venezuela. Go. I, I will pay your ticket. I will buy your ticket. This is, this is insane, feet people. So-called progressive Christianity. Okay, I didn't finish this. Universal love, social justice, and approval of various lifestyles with no regard to adherence to biblical truth. So-called progressive Christianity is simply another term that allows every person to do what is right in their own eyes, just like in Judges 21, 25. People did what was right in their own eyes. I can tell you the names of young people that used to go to this church, girls who have girlfriends. And they're in church. Don't shout me down. It is dangerous, folks. If you go to a church like mine, the word will offend your flesh. I'm not saying I offend you. I, I, I might. God knows I probably have. I, I wrestle more with Daryl than you ever imagined. Because I'm like, calm down. Just calm down. Say it nice. <laughs> But it's a great concern. You, you don't want to just, just keep burying people and watching people fall away from God and you say nothing. And you're around church that says and does nothing in a world we're living in today. It's not good. In a Facebook post following Pete's published remarks, I said the following. Mayor says he's a gay Christian. As a Christian, I believe... What the Bible says, God's word defines homosexuality as sin, and, and it is. Something to be repented of, not something to be flaunted, praised, or politicized. The Bible defines marriage between a man and a woman, not two men, not two women. The core of the Christian faith is believing and following Jesus Christ, who sent God to be the Savior of the world and save us from our sin, to save us from hell, and save us from eternal damnation. If you're freed from sin, stop. Now, let me go back in my past for a minute. Where am I from time? I got five minutes. The day I got saved, the day I got saved, the Lord said, get the Playboys. I had a lot of Playboys. I had a stack about four feet tall. As a matter of fact, I used to have one room completely wallpapered with pinups. From the top of the ceiling down to the floor, the whole wall was probably 15, 20 feet long 
all the way from February of 61 to... <laughs> I told you I was a heathen from hell, guys. I'm telling you. And they all went in the garbage. There's a lot of ladies in the garbage that day. And God told me, he says, get, get, get that stack of Playboys in your truck and put in the, and, and the beer and the booze and the dope, the rock music, get it in the dump. That's the, folks, that wasn't a month later. That was the day I got saved. And then he started telling me about smoking. He said, that's killing you. I was smoking three packs of non-camel filters a day. Then I was smoking dope when I came home. Did I need to get saved or what? <laughs> and the day, the day I got saved, I stopped it all. You know why? It scared me that I'd go back. I was so afraid. And I, I, I got as close to God as I could get. I said, don't let me go to hell. I don't want to go to hell. And if he told me to throw it away, I threw it away. I even threw my hunting magazines away. I mean, if it wasn't Jesus, I threw it away. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm. Progressive Christianity is simply another name for theological liberalism and its accompanying permissive lifestyle that ignores God's call to holiness and obedience. If you're a Christian, there should be evidence of it, guys. Amen. There is really nothing progressive about it other than an increasing slide into sin and disobedience. We can never allow someone to seek to redefine orthodox Christian faith according to their own faulty terms. It is a different gospel, which is really not a gospel at all. Now, we're dealing with this in this nation, and this is getting to, this is front news. This is front page. I mean, you can't turn on CNN, NBC, or ABC without hearing trash. Now, listen, you've got commentators telling us what Christianity is. I don't think so. I want to let, let me get on Larry King Live. I will, listen, don't call Joel Osteen, call me. Boy, that didn't go very well. Because <laughs> I... <laughs> Are y'all out there? Did you go home? All right. The world needs you. you there are no more ducking and hiding anymore, guys. If you're a born-again Christian, we are in the last of the last days. I'm going to tell you, my generation will see the Lord Jesus Christ split the sky. We will see it. We will see the Ezekiel War. We will see it. We will see America change. We will see it become more and more liberal and more and more wicked. We will see it. You'd better see the church get more and more on fire for God. Because unless the church gets on fire for God, there's a scripture. I don't have time to go into it. It says, because iniquity will abound, the love of many Christians will, will grow cold. Because you've already gotten to where, even now, you're afraid of a little persecution. You're not going to make it real well. This is the whole reason why I'm trying to teach you to get full of the Holy Ghost. You will do anything drunk. Get drunk in God and then just go out there and do it. But, but listen to me. Live, make a difference with your life. Now, now, let me make one more statement. I got it. 
why is everybody afraid to die? You're going to die. Right? I'll be 66 in September. What have I got? 20, 25 years, 30 at the max? If Lisa keeps cooking real good. Have y'all ever noticed as you get older, five years seems like about six months ago. Is that right? Am I right? So, so, so I'm not trying to hold on to my life. I'm trying to go ahead and just go ahead and die so that you're not afraid of dying. Just lay your life down and say, if I die, I die. Amen. And then so that you can do something with your life. I had a person say to me the other day, says, I'm not going to Israel, I might die. You're 85, you're dying. You're already dead, go to Israel. Are y'all out there, you go home, I mean, how, how stupid can you get? You're going to die, you're going to die. But don't be dead now. If you're not living for God, you're already dead. Just go ahead and just... Roll over. <laughs> Pick your casket. Go down and enjoy your own funeral. I mean, my God. I had a, I had a Jewish man came in my office and he said, um, he said, you know, when you started helping the IDF, he said, you're a marked man. I said, let me tell you something. I was a marked man day. I got born again. I said, I gave my heart. To, I died 40 years ago, son. My life's not mine anyway. That's the way Paul lived his life. When it says I die daily, he's not talking about his flesh. He just said, you know, I'm going to preach the gospel and I might die today, but I'm going to preach the gospel. Well, listen, he did finally die for the first faith. So did Peter. Man, we have gotten to where we're scared to death of dying. Where are you going? Heaven? If you really believed it, you wouldn't be afraid of dying. So quit... Quit, get a death grip off of your life to where you're afraid to even do anything. I might lose my job. Well, then start another one. I mean, there's a lot of things I want to do with my life. And I'm, and I'm, I'm not getting any younger, but I still got a lot of things I want to do. I want to see more people saved. I want Lisa to get this school started. Kids need to grow up in an atmosphere where they're praying in the morning and, 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 and loving Jesus and hearing the word of God preached. Just forgive me. I'm not, that, not that hellhole they call the public school. They, they have a right to a godly education. Well, somebody's going, somebody's going to have to lay their life down and get that done. Some of you people that are school teachers, you might not make as much. Well, whoopee-doo. Get you a gold brick when you get to heaven and get in here and help us. Amen. I'm done. I was done five minutes ago. Now I'm ranting. (laughs) Say this. I'm here to make a difference. I'm going to let my light shine. The people around me are my responsibility. I've got a job to do. When you wake up tomorrow morning, you're heading to work, just start praying over these guys. If they're born again Christians, they still need prayer. If you don't know who to pray for, pray for me. Dear Lord, just amen. Make a difference. Do something with your life. Amen. Father God, what a great honor it was to come in here tonight with your saints and with your children, with, your, with my brothers and sisters. 
Father, I realize we're not a big crowd, but neither was the crowd in the upper room that, that day. It was only 120 up there, and they shook the whole known world. Father, I believe it's possible for a church to make a difference in their city and the people around them. And, and even though I told them of people that have been saved around me and that I've worked with, I don't feel like I've done enough. I think there are still more people out there, people I shoot with, people I run around with that are not saved. Open up doors for me to share the gospel with them. Open up a door for me to sit at the table and, and just get a Bible out and share the word of God. Father, if you have any more bars you want me to go into, I'll, I don't care. I'll go in there. Well, if it's a strip bar, I don't want to go in there, Father. But the other kind, I'll go in. Well, Father God, wherever it is, if there's another pickup truck you want me to ride two hours with, with that's fine with me too. But I pray that I make a difference. I pray every one of us in this room will start thinking a little bit outside the box and realize that the kingdom of God is like a woman who took leaven. And when she got finished, she leavened the whole up. We're supposed to be leavening the world around us. We're supposed to be affecting it for the good. I pray that we'll do it in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this powerful message by Pastor Daryl Morgan. We hope it blesses you. If you would like more info on Word of Life, sermons, and free downloads, please go to wordoflifeapopka.com. Thank you and have a blessed day.